let's look at the action on, what day is it? Thursday. Thursday in the NBA, there were five games on. Let's recap it all. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I invented the question mark. I'm also the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore beeble on Instagram at, no, TikTok, redrock underscore beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by PricePix, the easiest and the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to pricepix.com slash locked on NBA. Use the code all lowercase locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Thank you also for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free. We are available on all platforms. Be a double banger. Come and watch the video, listen to the audio. And if you are over on the YouTube side, go and check out the live trade deadline show. The landing page is up after I screwed up the first one. I want 500 likes on that. Um, it's Thursday, February 8th, 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Let's pre-like it. Let's pre-bang it. Let's pre-push it into the algorithm. So you can even leave comments on the video right now if you want as we get ready for the trade deadline about three weeks from now. We're going to talk about the action across the NBA on Thursday. We've got a little bit of data from um, some of the teams or the two teams that were involved in the Pascal Siakam deal. We don't get everything because uh, Pascal Siakam didn't play, but we've got some interesting stuff there in Toronto that we are going to talk about. Let's just get straight into some news, though. We got something from Shamsharani regarding Christian Coloco. We knew there'd been something that was keeping him out all season. It was very mysterious. It does make sense now what Sham said after the... Um, uh, the waving of Coloco in that deal, Sham said he's dealing with a, a blood clot, which is obviously really serious, and he, he might not be able to um, resume his career. He was showing some really promising signs last season uh, as a rim protector, as an early second round pick, and it would be, tra- be tragic if he wasn't able to uh, resume his career. We've seen a couple of NBA players over the last like six, seven years who've dealt with some blood clot issues. One of them was Chris Bosch, and unfortunately that did end his career. He was a little bit older. The other one was Brandon Ingram, who suffered um, some blood clot issues, but he's obviously been able able to um, resume his career. The Coloco one's a bit... I think Ingram's one was in his arm. Coloco's one, I think, I believe is in his chest, and that's causing some of these breathing difficulties. So we hope that everything's okay, not only for his career, but also for his for his life, honestly, because that's obviously pretty scary stuff. Speaking of scary stuff, the passing away of the Warriors assistant coach uh, has led to another game post moment. Warriors, Mavs, people have asked a couple of questions here. What do you do for fantasy? Like nothing. You don't do anything. You don't... You can't do anything. That Stuff happens, unfortunately... Uh, the weird stuff, snowed games, postponements due to this. You don't do anything in your league. You don't, had someone ask, what do I do? Do I give someone that's got Warriors or Mavs and Jazz players, do I give them extra waiver moves? Do I, like, no, you don't do any of those things. It's just unfortunate. It's going to, if you've got a lot of Warriors guys in your team, it's going to hurt you for fantasy. Obviously, that is secondary to the, the, the tragedy, but I do understand that you as a fantasy manager has actually nothing to do with that. Like, you can't, you can have empathy, but it doesn't actually impact you on that personal level. But you don't do anything from a fantasy point of view. You don't adjust anything for this week or anything like that. Nothing happens. Now, when these games are going to be rescheduled, I have no idea. It'll be at some point later in the year. The Warriors have obviously got two to make up now, the Jazz one and the Mavericks one. But they could be really at any point. So I don't think it's worth um, making moves based on that in a fantasy setting. I put this here, and I normally wouldn't mention this sort of thing, but Jet Howard, 
right? Jed Howard, who has done nothing at the NBA level, he struggled in some of his G League games. Um, but the last couple of G League games, he's been on fire. The Magic are without Franz Wagner. They're without Gary Harris. And they limited Caleb Houston's minutes last game. And again, I wouldn't bring this up, but multiple Magic beat reporters, um, bloggers, anyway, a lot of people around Magic Media have made a big, big point, a big point to, to tell us that Jed Howard has been called up from Lakeland. And like a few like eye emoji tweets, a few like, huh, this is interesting. Keep an eye on this. And I don't know what it means. I don't know that it means anything. It probably means absolutely nothing. But what I'm out here suggesting is that with Harris out, with Houston sort of struggling, does Jet get into the rotation tomorrow? I wouldn't I wouldn't rule that out. Is it going to matter for fantasy? Almost definitely not. But that's important for those of you in dynasty leagues or those of you who are like Michigan fans who just want to see the bloke play. It just it just caught my eye that multiple magic reporters were like, huh. Like they were doing a bit of like, just watch out, watch it. And I don't know what it means. It might mean nothing. But it was enough for me to go, huh, all right, let's talk about it. The other bad news for a rookie is Derek Whitehead is dealing with the stress reactions in his leg. We know he missed uh, plenty of time in college with two foot problems. He's barely played this season. Now he's got a stress reaction again. That's terrible. Like that's that's not. I really like Derek Whitehead as a prospect. Good size, wing, can shoot, can pass. But two foot surgery type scenarios now plus this is a huge, huge setback to begin his career. Um, and I just hope that he's able to be good and and can get healthy and play. Players have done it. Brook Lopez, Karis Levert, two members of the Nets who had multiple foot and bone issues in their bo- uh, in their bottom half. I was going to say in their low- lower body. Uh, and they've been fine. So it's just a shit start to a career, unfortunately, for uh, Derek Whitehead, the pimple. Let's look at some waiver wire trends over the last 48 hours. Not 48 hours, 24 hours. They are the numbers that I'm talking about. So who's the most added player? The cockroach isn't number one, Mason Plumley. Fine to add him. I don't think he's guaranteed 28 a night. He might. He might play more. Or they might go to Tice-Westbrook combinations. One thing I do know is that Mason Plumlee is not blocking three shots a game. He's okay to roster without any question about it, um, for the short term at least. And that short term with Zubats being out, it literally might be six weeks. But Plumlee is fine to add. Marvin Bagley. Congratulations if you streamed Marvin Bagley in. I talked about it on the Waverwire show and said the, I, actually, I added him and I couldn't believe it. I did not expect what we got from Bagley. We'll talk about it later. And your question is going to be, you see an ad long term. I don't think so. But I also don't know how long Daniel Gafford's going to be out. He got a concussion on Monday. They've got a back-to-back Saturday, Sunday. And starting Saturday, they've got four games in six nights, the Wizards. So I don't dislike an out of Bagley, but we'll talk about that more later. Wendell Carter up 11%. Last two games, he's hitting his shots at a really high level. They've taken Mo Wagner out of the rotation. So it's all Gogo and all Wendell. Again, this is a guy with a track record of top 100 finishes the last two seasons. Who's had some struggles this season, but maybe... Gary Trent up 10%. What I talked about yesterday with Trent um, was actually bang spot on. And I don't, I'm not always going to do that. But I said to you, look at Gary Trent's line here. If the shots don't go in at 88%, he's a nothing. And guess what they didn't do today? Go in at 88%. I don't believe that Trent's a must-roster player. 
Greg Jackson, the second. GG Jackson up 8%. People have grabbed him. That Memphis game has just started as I'm recording this part of the show. We'll talk about him when we get to the Memphis game later on. And then Jaden McDaniel's up 8%. His last two games have been really strong. Not sure that he needs to hold as a must-roster guy, but, you know, some interesting numbers from him. Recently, the most dropped players, Trace Jackson Davis, while with the Warriors postponements, very easy to make that call. Same with Brandon Pajemski down 6 and Mo Wagner down 7%, who's not even playing. They are just very, very easy drops. Matisse Thibel down 5%. Not really sure why so many people even had him to be dropped that far. He's not on the injury report with this ankle injury. He's just not going to play enough to matter for most leagues. Cam Whitmore down five. I had picked him up to see what was going to happen. I've moved on now, and I think that's totally reason. We played nine minutes last game. That's not to suggest you'll play nine minutes every game, but if you're a bench player who's getting some minutes because someone is out, and you've still got the capability to play under 10 minutes, that's not someone I want to hold on to. And Kelly Ubre down 5% as well, just not providing anything. And if you wanted to drop him to get one of these Grizzlies guys, or try a Bagley, or try a Plumley, totally reasonable. I don't think the upside for Ubre is all that high, unfortunately, for Kelly Ubre. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with me, Josh Lloyd, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball to help bring you some of the best fantasy picks every week. Scouting the waiver wire is important to helping to build a championship team, and I'm going to go through some guys who I think can be a guaranteed fit on your on your roster. Now, I've got I wrote this list the other day, and one of the names I put on there is Marvin Bagley because Marvin Bagley is going to start if Dan Gafford remains silent. They have no other centers. And he did things that Marvin Bagley has never done ever before in today's game. I don't think that it's going to last long term, but I don't know. I honestly don't know. And the fact that they lent so heavily into Bagley is very, very interesting. And I am not, if you've joined this show for the first time, you might think that I'm out here loving Marvin Bagley. Couldn't be further from the truth. But the role here looks interesting, at least in the very, very, very short term. And that is something that can work in fantasy. So is that going to be something that wins you a championship? Might win you a weak matchup, and that might be enough. Is he a perfect fit? Well, he might be this week as well. Getting things as a perfect fit is what eBay Motors is all about. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, make sure that your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED, headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever it is that your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber and not cash. So keep your ride alive at ebaymotors.com eBay guaranteed fit only available to US customers, eligible items only, and exclusions apply. So that's the waiver wire part done. Let's let's do games. First one. It is. This is the Marvin Bagley show. Maybe I should chuck him as the uh, as the uh, thumbnail on today's image because it's it's worth talking about. He put up some very very uh, strong numbers. So Bagley arrived via the trade here to the Wizards. Daniel Gafford was out in the concussion protocol. And earlier in the season when Gafford was out, they just would start Kyle Kuzma at center. And then they'd have Muscala and Gallinari coming off the bench. And they'd put Bilal Kulabali into the starting lineup. Not today. They played Marvin Bagley as a starting center. And what is crazy about this, about Bagley, is that not only, look, Gafford's been playing all season with no backup. And he gets like 31, 32 minutes, 28 minutes, 27. Bagley played 39 minutes. Seems a lot, yeah? 20 and 11 with two assists, two steals and three blocks. That's the crazy part. He shot 63 from the field. The other crazy part is he missed all five of his free throws. The thing that I would have said, yes, look, it's a very clear situation where he's in here and he is replacing Dan Gafford. But the fact that Wes Unseld, one of the worst coaches in the NBA, saw Bagley and thought, yeah, like we have to give him all of these minutes because I love this scoring ability that Bagley's got, makes me 
a little concerned because there's been plenty of times when there's no other centers. 40 games on this roster without any other centers, really. And Gafford doesn't play 39 minutes every game. So I'm a little worried that he might say, hmm, we just need Bagley out there to score. I, I don't, don't, if I've got Gafford, I'm not doing anything stupid. I'm not dropping him, I'm not doing anything like that. And I'm not adding Bagley thinking this is going to hold. I'm not. But that part just gives me a slight amount of pause. The other thing with Bagley is there's two assists, two steals, three blocks. There's just, it's just not going to hold like that. He, he just doesn't do it. Points, rebounds, absolutely. Bad free throws, 100%. Good field goals, usually he's pretty good at it. He can help in all of those areas. And if he played 30 minutes a night, he would actually be a definite points league guy and probably a 12-team category guy for certain teams. I'm not sure we're going to get that. We might get to 21. We might get a 24-minute split. I don't think so, but we might. But I've got no problem adding him with this really condensed schedule coming up for the Wizards. A Saturday, Sunday, back-to-back as well. Go for it. No problem. Didn't expect this at all, but here we go. Ty Jones scored two points, but was it bad? Not really. He played 37 minutes, which is a lot. Again, also, remember, this is the coach that just plays guys 26 minutes some nights. And everyone just got pumped full of minutes today. 37 for Jones, 37 minutes, two points, four rebounds. We had 15 assists and three steals and shot 17%. One of the biggest up and down games you'll see. While Kuzma had 15, six and five with two steals and a block. And Jordy Poole was pretty good. 24, four and two, 34 minutes, shot 38%, 37%, sorry. But he was eight of eight from the line. It's getting better for Poole. He's top 100 over the last five games, 31 minutes. He's inside the top 140 for the season. It's still shit house. But it's not like he's the 300th best player or anything like that. Denny Avdias was look, it's all right. 15 and 8. Probably still should be on a 12-team roster. While, um, that's about it. Oh, Kulabali, 5-2-2. Two, and two. I don't think you need to be holding on to Bilal. For the Knicks, there was no uh, Mitch Robinson, obviously, and no Josh the Hitman Hart. Tom Thibodeau's rotations are, are infuriating at times. Ojananobi played 43 minutes. And you'll say, oh, he's used to Nick Nurse. This is not Nick Nurse. This is very different to Nick Nurse. This man's played like 42 minutes a night over the week. 19 and 7 with three threes is really good. Two blocks is really strong. He's much better than he was in Toronto. But these minutes are legitimately insane. Jalen Brunson played 40 minutes on a back-to-back. 41, 8 and 8, two steals, a block, 52% shooting on 85 from the line. But the way that this everything gets distributed offensively is pretty crazy. Because no one else really gets to do anything apart from Brunson and Randall. And even Randall didn't do much today. Hartenstein had his customary six points in 39 minutes, but 17 rebounds, three assists, two steals, a block, 60%. Just bang the same stuff. And with Hart out, we got big minutes for DiVincenzo. 38 of them. 19, 3 and 3 with five triples. Thibodeau has a group of guys that he trusts, and that is it. And if someone gets injured in that spot, it appears that they just give the minutes to the other guys in there. So Dante will move back to 25 minutes most likely next game and be a borderline-ish 12-team guy. I think you should still hold him, but borderline. I would have loved for him to give Quentin Grimes but I minutes, but I think he has ruined Quentin Grimes, to be honest. Grimes is clearly unhappy with the role. Thibodeau is clearly unhappy with Grimes. He played 19 minutes in a game without Josh Hart and had zero points, missed all five of his shots. He's playing horribly. There's no doubt about it, but I am certain this is a locker room personality confidence thing with Grimes. The other thing is, is Juice McBride was playing 33 minutes a night, but even with a guy like Josh Hart out, Thibodeau couldn't find any way to play McBride and Hart together. Oh, no, Hart, Brunson together. He played eight minutes for five points. Couldn't play them together at all. Couldn't. It's couldn't, impossible to do that. Had to play 40 minutes. Well, I suppose when you are struggling to beat the Wizards, you've got to pull out all the stops. Uh, Julius Randle had 21, 8, and 5 on 47% shooting in 39 minutes. And that's just a, like the starters, man. The lowest minutes for the starters was 38 to DiVincenzo. Against the Wizards. 
sort of be doing with this. I'm just monitoring Grimes in case there's a trade. Achua played nine minutes because he is terrible. There's some f- funny clips going around of uh, Preston Achua's highlights on the Knicks. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty humorous. Um, yeah, he's, he's so bad. And Hartenstein's obviously rosterable. There's, just, there's five guys here, and Dante is the back end one of them, and that's really about it. The Thibodeau thing is great if you get into the right position for him, and it's just dreadful for everybody else. And I'm not really sure there's much of a debate about it. Maybe not. Today's episode is brought to you by PricePix. PricePix is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It's also the easiest and the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Instead of going up against thousands of different people, trying to put together lineups with salary caps and worrying about who's going to fit in and how people are going to take your money, it's just player projections. PricePix puts them up for so many different players, so many different stat types. You look at them and you say, oh, I just think he's going to do more than that. Surely you're going too low here, PricePix. Let's go more. And you put between two to six of those together, doesn't always have to be more. You can do less. Put them together, and if you get the six right, you can win 25 times your money back. 10 bucks in, $250 out. Plus, the injury insurance policy. If someone gets hurt in the first half and does not return in the second half, well, that player gets rebooted. You don't lose out. It just gets rebooted. Very easy to do. It's fun. It's easy. It's exciting. Go to pricepix.com slash LockedOnNBA. Use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. That is pricepix.com slash LockedOnNBA. The code is LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Pricepix is daily fantasy sports made easy. So let's bring us now into the second game of the night. And as I said, um, we got the uh, a little bit of a look at one of the, the teams involved in the Pascal Siakam trade. It was the team that traded away Pascal Siakam, the Toronto Raptors. They lose to the Bulls 116-110 was, um, was the final score. Um, Vooch. Actually, let's, no, let's start with the skater boy, Zach Levine, because he played 24 minutes and had eight points on 43% shooting. Really good stuff from Levine. <sighs> he sprained his ankle early on. And he didn't, um, well, he came back and then he sort of pulled out Giggity at the beginning of the fourth quarter and never returned. He was pretty gimpy moving around. They play again on Saturday. I don't think that he is going to play. And that what that does is we saw a big bump in minutes for Ayodesumu, a not, not a sizable bump for Pat Williams, but I think that's what will end up happening if Levine misses because we already got a pretty good sample size with that. Now, there will be people that will be going, well, Levine's out, so Kobe White's going to get a huge bump. I, I'm not really sure that's true because we had a really interesting sample of the two weeks before Levine returned from the first injury. White struggled. Levine came back. White got better. Yeah, like ideally he's going to get more shots, but Levine has come back and just not taken shots. Hasn't really changed anything about White. So White's still a full go, obviously. I'm not sure this gives him a huge bump because he was already doing that stuff anyway. Kobe had 23, 8, and 4 with two steals. Vooch had 24, 13, and 7 with two steals and a block. Interesting. Zero crossover with him and Andre Drummond. So you can go Jack, Andre. Get that garbage out of here. Absolutely no reason to be um, holding on to him. And Desumu had 10, 2, and 5. Now, historically, Desumu has been a pretty poor fantasy producer. He's a little bit better at the moment. If Levine is out, I would at least consider him in like the 16s, maybe into 14-team leagues. And Pat Williams becomes a 12-team streamer until we see how they distribute these minutes. He had 12 points with two threes in his 23 minutes. Oh, by the way, Alex Caruso, just an absolute guarantee must roster. 10, 3, and 4, two threes, two steals, two blocks, 67%. Hard to go wrong with that. Like, they're pretty bloody good numbers, and he always seems to do that. And at the moment, somehow, he's not getting hurt. The Toronto Raptors. Um... We got somewhat of an idea of what to expect from this team without Siakam. They might make other moves, and yes, Yaka Pertle does have to return. 
But we've got something interesting going on here. Scott Barnes put up huge numbers. Really love though, put him on the buy low show because he's going to beat that number really easy. 31, 7 and 6, 3 steals, 3 blocks, 2 threes. 61 from the field is amazing. 78 from the line is fantastic. Some horrific turnovers down the end. That, did that cost him the game? I don't know. Is Okay, here's, here's a, a question without any hate in my heart apart from, from everyone in Canada. But what do you think about like, do you think Barnes has got it in him to be this number one guy? Because he was sort of the number one guy, but he had Siakam there, who was also the number one guy and had the most usage nearly all the time. Barnes has been awesome this season. He's taken big steps forward. But as the, at, and at the moment, as the main guy, do you think that he's got that? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But we're going to get a chance to see usage up at 34% here. Emmanuel quickly, 35 minutes, only 12 points on 10 shots. Would have liked him to get a few more. He had 12, 3, and 3. And wouldn't you know it, wouldn't you know it, Rowan Barrett Jr. Did he shoot 60% from the field again? Nah. 17, 4, and 6 on 30, uh, 37% shooting. 4 or 5 from line, which is pretty good. 17% from 3. Okay. That is fine. That is a fine fantasy line. That is more reasonable for who he is as a player. 17, 4, and 6 with a steal. Um, I talked about Gary Trent in the opener, and I said, look, if he doesn't actually hit those threes at a crazy rate, he's giving you nothing. He had six points on 38% with two rebounds and two assists, no threes, no steals. Trent is a streamer. Trent is a guy like Malik Beasley, Tim Hardaway, the guys that you stream in when you're looking for points and threes. You do not need to must roster him. The big, big steals that he got were a factor because Nick Nurse was there. That's it. And he's just also not that good. Because what we saw towards the end of this game is that a man who arrived in this city, well, I think lunchtime? Is that when he got there? I don't know. They, it took a while to process everything. That's to give him his like ceremonial poutine as he walked through the, the, the border crossing. It took a while for Bruce Brown to get in and, and get ready to go. Didn't know any of the players. Just jumped in and went, all right, I'm ready to cook. And I thought he was really good. 15 and 7 in 25 minutes. He said, he only played 25 minutes. I know. He just arrived that day and didn't know what he was doing. And the first half was rough. And then he cooked the second half. He's way better than Gary Trent. Way better. 15 and 7, a steal, 70% shooting. Now, he won't shoot 70% Bruce Brown. I don't think he's going to have this gigantic playmaking role. But I do think that he will take that starting job away from Gary Trent, who, by the way, this team does not value that highly, Gary Trent. Um, Brown, I think he's going to start, and I would add him if he's available. I was also really impressed with Jonte Porter. 10, 4, and 4, two threes, one steal, two blocks. That's a fantastic fantasy line. I don't know when Pirtle's coming back. Maybe a week. Could be, could be the week. Porter is untrustworthy to get enough minutes, which is unfortunate. We wish he would. Thad Young played 15 minutes here and Boucher played 18 minutes. Porter's the guy that I want out of that group, but it's probably only in those deeper formats, but he's got an ability, and we talked about this quite a bit, to fill up so many different categories. We just need 26 out of him. So if you want, to, if you believe that you'll get that, I, I don't think you will, but if you believe that you'll get it from Jonte, yeah, that he is a 12-team league guy, but I don't believe you'll get those 26. So I'd add him in 2018, 16, probably 14. I'd consider it. That's about it. Um, we have a real conversation about Dennis Schroeder, who had seven points in 26 minutes. That's 26 minutes in each of the last two games. The addition of Brown, Barrett, quickly. They've hurt him quite a bit. Now, it's very possible that Trent moves on or that uh, Brown moves on in another deal and Schroeder jumps back up. But what he did at the start of the season feels unbelievably miragey, and he is a back-end player. And you know the rule. If he is your worst player on your roster, then jack him off and get somebody else in. You do not have to hold him. He has really tumbled down. He's not dreadful, but he's not awesome. And is there any upside for awesome on this team? 
I, I, I don't think so. And, and that does hurt. I realized that I went to this time to try and create a, you know, a lineup change section of the show and I forgot to do it at the start. Clown. Let's do it now just to give you a quick overview of what did happen. Marvin Bagley started with Daniel Gafford injured. Cason Wallace started with Lou Dort injured. Lucky there wasn't a huge amount of them today. Um, we had two other starting lineup changes. Johnny Conchar, who was a DNP last game, started over Zaire Williams. And Timothy John McConnell started with Halliburton out and with Andrew Nembhard out in Indiana. Glad I was able to get that off my chest. Let's talk about the next game. Um, yeah, wow. Uh, what a game. Between these two small market teams, the Oklahoma City Thunder, the Utah Jazz in Utah. I think the, I think the Jazz are for real. They lost, but I think they're for real. 134 OKC, 124, or 129 Utah. There was no Lou Dort in this one, so Kaysen Wallace started, as I just mentioned. He played 32 minutes and had 16, 4, and 1. One steal, one block, hit four threes, shot 87%, 86%. He's been awesome. For fantasy, he hasn't been great. He hasn't been putting up big numbers, but he's been a part of the rotation since day one. He plays the one, he plays the two, he plays the three. He does everything they need him to do. And he had a good offensive game here. You know, he was someone I was really high on in the draft. And I said, what I said last season was when they drafted Jalen Williams, that that was Lou Dort's replacement. And then um, they drafted Case and Wallace and went, well, he's actually Lou Dort's replacement. And I don't even know what this means now as we move forward. I'm sure they're both going to replace Lou Dort in some sense. But Wallace was strong. We're not adding him anywhere. Dort was just out sick here. But really, really interesting. Shea had 31-6-6 on 53% and got to the line 17 times. Wow. 88% 88% shooting from the line. But let's talk about the Bronco Jalen Williams. He's an unbelievable run. He's just doing like 37 minutes for Jalen uh, Williams. He is like, this is one of the, I don't know if it, historic is not necessarily the right word, but this shit that's happening at the moment is one of the best sort of runs that we've seen this season. Because remember, the beginning of the season, Jalen Williams wasn't doing this. No, nothing remotely close. Now, I saw these numbers flash up. I knew them. I didn't know them. I knew the vibe of the numbers in my head. But uh, an account, which I want you to go or follow on Twitter, it's called Point Made B-Ball. Um, four guys who do a bunch of uh, fantasy stuff, mainly Dynasty coverage. Point Made B-Ball. They tweeted this out today. Jalen Williams' first 20 versus his last 17 games. All right. 4.2 rebounds versus 4.1 rebounds. 3.7 assists versus 5.4. That increase in assists is pretty real, I think. 0.9 steals versus 1.2 steals. All right. We've seen that jump up. Remember, he was bad. One point, uh, 0.9 steals is really quite poor for a steals guy. 0.4 blocks versus 0.6, about the same. 1.8 turnovers versus 2.1, about the same. Not that big a difference. But here's what happened. The first 20 games of the season, Jalen Williams shot 50% from the field. He shot 36% from three. Totally respectable numbers. 88% from the line. Really good numbers. Really solid, efficient numbers. His next 17 games, he shot 61 from the field, 55 from three, and somehow got worse, shooting 77% from the line. Now, he has been awesome. He is putting up these crazy numbers. He just can't be stopped, basically. But I refuse to believe that anybody, a perimeter shooter, is a 61% field goal guy with 55% on threes. Nobody is. But if nobody wants to give you anything in a sell high, who gives a shit? Just enjoy what's happening because it has been amazing. It's been a ridiculous run. From Jalen Williams. Just a huge performance. 27 points in 37 minutes. Three rebounds. Eight assists. Two steals. Two blocks. 79 from the field. Somehow went only one of two from the line. Went 80% from three. 
This shooting is not going to hold, but it also doesn't matter that much. He has turned from a guy at the start of the season who was fine, who was serviceable, who was solid. And the last two, three weeks have been, uh, uh, last month, has been like genuine all-star level production. I'd like to see it last long, and I don't know what's going to happen when um, the shot falls away because it is going to fall away. But he's doing all this in just no usage at all. The other interesting thing is in that time, even with that crazy shooting jump, his scoring went from 17 points a game to 20 points a game. Like that three points up despite being the best shooter of all time. These numbers are insane. But again, if you can't sell high, if no one wants to give you a top 20 or top 25 player, don't do it. Just enjoy what's happening. Understanding that just variance is going to get you to a degree. Josh Giddy, what are we doing now? 20 and 10, six assists, 30 minutes. Shot 50% from the field. Hmm. He was bad. He stepped up and started to improve. And then the last two, three games were quite poor. And people will say, well, that's because the report came out that he's not getting any charges, that he's back in business now. I'm not sure that's necessarily the case, but obviously the timing lines up perfectly. Really strong game. That's it. That's encouraging for the rest of season value. We'll see what happens after that. And Chet Holmgren had 15-5-5 five and five with four blocks. Chet has definitely cooled since the beginning of the season. He's now outside the top 25 for the year. He is 74th over the last two weeks. And he's cooled off, which was fine because he was shooting like 50% from three. Because as we're well aware, when you shoot 50% from three, you don't keep shooting 50% from three. So he's cooled off. And he's still really, really good. But he's not this first round player or second round player. He's like a third to fourth round sort of a guy is how I see it. With it, we doored out. We've got extra minutes there for Aaron Wiggins, who had uh, four points in his 23 minutes. And Kenrich Williams, the Oklahoma City mudflap, had nine, four, and two. But for the Jazz, they weren't embarrassed at all. Because not only do we have Jalen Williams in this game as the greatest shooter of all time, we've got the second greatest shooter of all time in this game as well, because Colin Sexton can't be stopped. What is going on? Why is this happening? He played 34. Look, he'd been just cooking at 24 minutes. They just said, we're going to ramp it up. He played 34. He had 31, 1 and 7 with four triples. He got to the line 10 times, only hit seven, but shot 53 from the field. This is another run, which is going to cool off, but he is almost unstoppable at the moment. And I just could not have, I could not have expected him to do this because he didn't. He didn't do it for the first 30 games of the season. He was nowhere near it. And he is dominating. Clarko, Bit rough on the efficiency for Geordie. The man on the street had 18, 2, and 5 on 39%, but he's got big minutes. But Chris Dunn played 13, and Keontae George played 14. Now, George got poked in the eye. He did return, but they just went with a lot of Sexton and Clarkson together, and it worked okay. The other thing we saw in this one is that they just didn't want to use John Collins much down the stretch. Now, you look at Collins' numbers. You go, we had 21 points in 24, 20, yeah, 21 points in 24 minutes. Why did they bench him? Because he was getting cooked defensively. So Kessler played 24 minutes. He had 7 and 10, 1 steal, 3 blocks. Kessler's numbers are all relatively strong. He just doesn't play huge minutes because I think Will Hardy's using him perfectly. He still is a must-roster guy for category leagues. Probably not in points leagues necessarily, but that's okay. And John Collins is a uh, fringy sort of a player. Probably the best game from Fontecchio in the last couple of weeks. We don't need to worry too much there. 12 points in 29 minutes with two threes for Simone. And Marketing had his usual 26 and 10, and Alinic had 7, 2, and 4. So a lot of the same sort of stuff, except they went away from Dunn and George and played a lot of Sexton and Clarkson together. Didn't get the win, but I think they established themselves as not like a fluke run team, like a team that might might actually be good. All right, let's do the next one. The Minnesota Timberwolves handle business against the uh, Minnesota well, no, the Minnesota Timberwolves handle business against the Memphis Grizzlies. All these M's getting me confused. Let's talk about Memphis. They made a change to their starting lineup. Last game, Johnny Conchard didn't play at all. 
This game, he started over Zaire Williams. I'll just quickly say something on Zaire, who played 12 minutes and had two points. I think he stinks. I don't think he's any good. And he's had a few opportunities this season and hasn't really done anything with him. This is year three. I'd be a little bit worried about where we go from here with him. Um, but what I'm pretty comfortable with is the bug, Vince Williams. 10, 7, and 5, three steals, a block, two threes. Got, just got to be rostered everywhere. And I think Xavier Tillman does as well. The cashier had 10, 5, and 6, a steal and a block. Played 36 minutes. There's no center that's coming back. Maybe Brandon Clark, but I don't think they rush him back. Uh, Tillman's got some good numbers. And the Duck had 18 points, Luke Kennard, in his 31 minutes. He had five triples with two assists and a steal. Talked about the other day how he struggled a little bit, but I just didn't buy that Luke Kennard was like a 20% shooter because he isn't. He's one of the, one of the best shooters in the NBA, and he got them cracking here. He didn't do much else, but he's a nice little points and threes guy who's usually very efficient. Um, Santi Aldama played 25 minutes. He had 13 points with two threes, a steal and a block. You know that I'm just not as high on Santi as other people are. He didn't shoot very well. He got a lot of shots up. I think he's fine to add as a 14-team league player. But if we're talking standard leagues, I definitely wouldn't rush to do it. And then we talk about GG Jackson. Um, obviously, there were a lot of hyperbolic reactions to GG. And I did try a little bit to push them down as much as I could. Uh, just to be aware that the youngest player in the NBA with almost historically bad levels of efficiency problems in, in college might have some of those struggles in the NBA. He played 10 minutes. He was one and th- one point, one point, um, 0 of 3 from the field, three rebounds, no defensive stats, and somehow was a minus 25 in 10 minutes. He just got cooked. Now, he's going to have better games than this, but this was the worry that what he did in that other game where he played 17 minutes straight to close out the game, shot 70% or whatever it was from the field and got these defensive stats, which he put out of his ass was just not going to be sustainable. But that's what we do. We try and get out ahead of it. There were, again, some people going a little bit harder on it, a little bit crazy on it in terms of how they were valuing GG. I even saw the term league winner thrown away, which you know is a term that I despise. If you want to jack GG Jackson, get that garbage out of here. Totally reasonable. If you've got someone on your team who's got the ability to do this, well, that's not really a 12-team league guy, is it? He's been added basically everywhere, and having some patience is fine. He's not going to be this bad, but he's also not going to be as good as he was the last time out. And the reality probably sits somewhere. Where have I got him projected rest of season? Like 214th. Okay? Looks like that's sort of where I had him. You take a fly, you see what sticks, but it didn't stick. So there you go. For the Wolves, speaking of not sticking, Jaden McDaniels had 11 points in 36 minutes. He did have a triple one, but that's just not anything more than a stream guy. Well, Mike Conley, what's this? 17-4 and 10 with two steals. The big Mike Conley game. He doesn't always do this, very clearly. But a strong performance. While the Wizard of Nas, Nas Reed, 20 points, four threes, two steals, a block. 24 minutes. That's a huge game. 62% shooting, filling it up. It does help that you're playing against what you're playing against in the opponent, but some good numbers there. Gobert had six blocks in 39 minutes and uh, Goose had 28, five and five. Not the best Towns game. He had 14 points in 29 minutes. He had two threes on 41%, but that's fine. Actually, you know what? I didn't talk about Jaron Jackson. I'll quickly do that. Thank you, Taylor Jenkins, for fouling him out. Uh, Jaron ended up with 36 points in 27 minutes. He did have five fouls, but again, you fouled him out. You, You wanted to keep him on the bench because of fouls just in case he didn't get to play all of his minutes, and he didn't play all of his minutes. 36 points with three threes. He just went bananas offensively. He's taking every shot in the world. Last game, what did he shoot? 20%. This one, 65. If I can get any top 50 player in the trade, I would do it. Not only are we going to have these wild percentage fluctuations, I'm just not confident how long he plays for or if an injury crops up or whatever. Great offensive explosion. 
I just do get a little bit worried as we move forward. Not much else I don't think to to talk about there on the Minnesota side of the, uh, the ledger. All right, let's do the final game of the day. The Pacers are up huge here over the Kings, a depleted Pacers team with no Halliburton, no Siakam. Um, the Kings came back, made it really close, but in the end, Indiana gets the win, 126-121. And we got some big performances from things that just aren't going to mean anything as we move forward because the sticks man, the big fella, Jalen Smith helps when you play against the Kings defense, but he had 17 and 13 in 25 minutes. He had 86% shooting, and now he's going to be the backup center because Siakam's going to play tomorrow. So that's all well and good. Jalen, thank you for whatever lack of service you gave us, and now we can move on. Although as a backup center and Miles Turner's continued sort of struggles, there's something there. And Isaiah Jackson suffered a head... head oh, I was going to say he suffered a head. Uh, Jackson here, he suffered a head injury in this one. I don't think he'll be ready for tomorrow, so Smith will get those minutes. If you wanted to hold because you got him on your roster, do it. But long-term, that's not going to help. Uh, Obert Toppin had 10, 3, and 4. His uh, shift is done. And then with no Halliburton, no Neesmith, no Nembhard, the only point guard was Timothy John. And McConnell played 33 minutes. He had 20 points with 10 assists on 64%. Once again, Tim, thank you for your service. Hold for tomorrow until we at least get confirmation that Halliburton is back. But... This is not going to last very long. And thank you for giving us one last big one. That's what she said. Benedict Matherin played 37 minutes. He had 25, 3, and 4, one steal, two blocks. Probably the most well-rounded line Ben Matherin's ever had. Again, is he going to play 37 minutes if Neesmith and Nempart are there? Probably not. And the same with Bud Heald, who had 12, 6, and 8 with a steal, a block, and two threes. I think Heald will start, but Matherin could. If you've got Matherin and Heald, I would definitely hold them over Smith or even over McConnell, to be honest, because someone has to replace Bruce Brown. But that is... Yeah, Halliburton, Neesmith, and Empard all have, and Siakam, that is four guys who have claims to be a starter on this team, who could all come back and just blow this stuff up. We saw Jarris Walker get a little bit hot, 15 points for him in 20 minutes, but his path to minutes is just not there. They should just replace Obi Toppin out of that rotation completely and let Jarris get the backup minutes, but it was good to see him having a couple of really interesting games the last two. And Miles Turner, 18 and 2 is stinky. Um, not much else going on there, but at least he got some minutes. For the Kings, Kevin Hurd, a fan of pants, 39 minutes for him, 31 points, seven triples, two rebounds, four assists, two steals, a block, 65% shooting. What an amazing performance, Kevin Herder. Get that garbage out of here. We talked about how the Kings had a bad sur- schedule on the surface, but a good one when you looked into it, and the value of Kevin Herder, I said stream in for those two games, and it worked out bloody perfectly. But now, he does not play Friday, he does not play Saturday, he does not play Sunday. I don't think Kevin Herder who is notoriously fickle in terms of his production minutes shooting numbers, is worth holding through three zeros. I'd be, I would be absolutely on board with dropping him. Now, if you've been absolutely bamboozled and um, not the right term is to, to, to say, but if you've been like you're mesmerized by the fan of pants experience, hold him, but you're getting three zeros. And this is also hot streak stuff for him. It just doesn't hold long term. Murray had 27-9 with two steals and a block. Love to see that he's starting to put together more consistency and more high usage games. While Sabonis had just another casual triple-double with bad free throws. 21-11-10 with no steals and no threes. Darren Fox's free throws are becoming a real problem. So are his field goal. His field goal numbers are so well down this season, um, especially his twos. We talked a lot about that. He's at like 51, I think, from two. Like, really shit numbers. He had 24-5-6 and six on 40% shooting and went 5-9 of nine from the line. That, that is really hurting him. He is now down to 44th for the season, while Malik Monk struggled too. Shocking from the field, 33%. But why is Leaky Monk going 1-6 of six from the line? 
That's not something that he does. He also chipped in two blocks out of nowhere. He had nine, three, and four league he did. I still think we hold on to him. We don't hold on to the pencil. We don't worry about Trey Lyles. Um, but honestly, much like with Herder, if you did want to move on from Monk because there are three zeros the rest of this week, I think it's okay. I would recommend holding Monk, but I do get it. He's in a slump at the moment. He didn't shoot well. And maybe you just desperately need to get things in to happen for the rest of the week. And he's your worst player. And if he is, well, I think we know what we do. We call in John Armstrong and he does a little bit of business for us. They're the games. From um, Thursday, just quickly on the paces, Siakam will play tomorrow. No word on whether Halliburton will, but he might. And then all that stuff just blows up completely in terms of how the um, how the rotation looked and how all the production was in uh, in today's action. Let's look at the stream of the day recap. Some successes, some owls. The 10-team stream was Vince Williams. He had 10, 7, and 5, three steals and a block. Huge W. The 12-team stream is Alex Caruso. 10, 3, 4, two steals, two blocks. Another W. The 14-team stream was Isaiah Jackson. Played five minutes. Head injury. Done. Two points. What an absolutely gigantic L that is. The 16-team league was Jonte Porter. Massive W. 10, 4, and 4, one steal and two blocks. And look at Vince Williams' line. Look at Jonte's line. And look at Alex Caruso's line. They almost look exactly the same. Xavier Tillman was your points league stream for both Yahoo and ESPN. He had 29 on Yahoo. He had 30 on ESPN. I think that is pretty good as well. So I think overall, outside of the Isaiah Jackson disaster class, it all worked out okay. What about the monstrous line of the night? Who gets it? Quite a few um, contenders, I would say. But in the end, we have to give props to um, all of our favorite team and our favorite player. And of course, we go to Scotland Barnes, who had 31 points with three steals and three blocks and filled it up right across the board, including um, game-losing turnovers. So congratulations to Scott Barnes. The waiver wire line of the night. I'm going to do some adjustments, I think, to some of my percentage cutoffs for categories now because we're at a stage where there are more dead leagues appearing and I'm trying to work it out. And looking at it, I can see about, on Yahoo, probably 30% dead at the moment. So some of these categories that I've got here, I have sort of uh, considered that part of it because there is, like, Jar Morant is rostered in 47% of Yahoo leagues. The man is not playing in the season and 47% of leagues are not um, Dynasty. They're about 5%, I would guess. There are some leagues that aren't dead, but they've got dead teams in them. Those guys are probably holding on to Jar, but so that's why I'm going to look here. If he's at 47 when he's clearly not playing, uh, and people wouldn't be like, you know, I'm, I've uh, maybe I'll have hope of Jar coming back. They know what's going on. Um, and then there's yeah, some of the the, the cut off between those two, whether it's a dead league or a dead team. I think 30. I think 30 is a fair number for dead leagues at the moment. Would be my guess. The waiver wire line of the night. Enough stalling it is. Fan of pants. He had 31 points with seven threes. He was amazing. But I just don't know that the ups and downs you get from him are worth holding on. It might be, but I'm not super convinced. I've seen Kevin Herter play for years and years and years. The young gun of the night. Who is it? It is someone who plays for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And it's not Chet Holmgren. Of course, it's the Bronco. Jalen Williams, 27 points, eight rebounds, two blocks. He had two steals. He shot a million percent as he seems to do every day. And the dud of the night. Usually, I like to see people who are rostered in 70% of leagues here, so it's not unfair, but I am going to... This sort of brought my mind in to have a look at how we change some of these percentage cutoffs because I looked at that Jar Morant thing and I saw that, like, according to Basketball Monster Advanced Metric, he was at about 94%. He was 40% rostered on Yahoo, and if I've got 30% inactives, that pushes him to about equivalent to being a 70% player, but it's got to be Greg Jackson. 1.3 rebounds, zero assists for GG. Absolute stinker, absolute turd. Grabbed in most competitive leagues. Um, 
and I think he was going to be dropped in a lot of those competitive leagues starting out tomorrow. That'll bring us now to have a look at the top six players for the day. Uh, we'll start with the top six players in category leagues. Of course, we will. Um, let's have a look. Who is the top? Well, we know who the top is. The top is Scott Barnes, but it was really tight up the top. It went Barnes, followed by a couple of Jalen's, quite a few of those in the league. Jalen Brunson, Jalen Williams, Fanta Pants, Kevin Herter, Nikola Vucevic, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Your top players, Ross, in under 50% of leagues, probably going to make an adjustment here again, as I said. Kevin Herter, Jalen Smith, Kaysen Wallace, the Duck, Luke Kennard, Jonte Porter, and Marvin Bagley, who would have been way higher had he not missed all of his free throws. I think, um, yeah, Smith's going to be dead now. Wallace, nothing. Kennard, probably a 12-teamer. Porter, a streamy sort of option, and, and Bagley, a stream guy as well, until we get news that Gaff is back and we see how Wes Unseld handles it. Your top six players in points leagues, number one was Jalen Bronson, followed by Scotland Barnes, Nick Vucevic, Jalen Williams, Rudy Gobert, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. So let's have a look at just a quick little summary of some things that I think are important to take away. I think Jonte can be added for your deeper leagues into streaming. I would look to see whether Bruce Brown is available. I think he's a strong add. And Marvin Bagley has a little bit of value as a stream guy. Yes, Tillman and Vince Williams are on that list as well. In terms of drops, I've got Kevin Herter there. Don't be afraid to do it if you want to open up some spots. And the other one is Jaden McDaniels, who just isn't good enough to be held in all 12-team leagues. He's fine, but you can get a lot more value, I think, out of streaming through his roster spot majority of the time. There's just not enough consistency of good performances from Jaden McDaniels. And that, guys, will bring us through to the end of today's show. Don't forget... Be a double banger. But what's almost more important than be a double banger today is going across and finding the live trade deadline show. It's pinned at the top of the YouTube channel and giving it a pre-like, giving it a pre-thumb. Get that thumb worked out for when the trade deadline actually happens in three weeks' time. Leave a comment there as well. You can put it in the chat. You put it under the video. Chuck it on a bookmark as well. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for watching, everyone. See ya.